Um, amen. What a band. I just feel lifted. I feel embraced. It's incredible to see these guys. You have no idea how hard they work and how hard they play, but we'll never tell you how hard they play. They are, they are fun guys to hang out with. Um, and Ben, good job on your leadership. Thank you so much. You always draw us into worship. Today we have this uh, awesome journey that we're taking through Sabbath. And I don't know if the word Sabbath it sounds like a real hot, amazing word to you. You're just like, yeah, when you hear Sabbath, you do the like the, what's the double fist pump? I don't know. Is it like that? Is that, is that what you do? When, is that a double fist or is it like this, you know? Um, so when you hear that word, is that your response or do you kind of think, uh-oh. So we call that life in slow motion. And life in slow motion is when you, do you ever have these moments where everything slows down? You, you just, everything is moving along in your day and then a butterfly flies by and you zero in on that butterfly. And just for a second you go, oh, that happened. And then maybe a little bit later, you're walking along and then you're talking to somebody and the breeze has always been there all day, but there's just that moment where you stop and you go, oh wait, there's, there's an awesome just breeze coming on by. Uh, or maybe uh, you're like me and you're having a conversation with someone and then just a squirrel goes over there and you're like, squirrel. No, that's, that's a different, that's another sermon series about focus. This one is about Sabbath. And it's, it's a question that I do want to ask you. This question is, are you ready to slow down? No, no, let me say it how it should be asked. Are you ready to slow down? No, I, I, <laughs> but that, that is a question that we need to ask. Are you ready? Are you ready to take this moment? And I love Sunday because it's surreal. We get together as Christ followers and we take a break. There's no, there's no you're not accomplishing a lot right now. You are resting in God's love. You're, you're celebrating. You're eating small donuts. I mean, it's, it's a good experience what you're having today. And you might think, you know, I'll just ho and hum, but when you go out, maybe you just need to stop and just take, just appreciate one of those donuts, just like you would a butterfly, just the, the beautiful shades and colors. But life is like that. We do miss all of the beauty that we have around us. And so when we live life in slow motion, we live life to its fullest. We grow in this way. And so today we are going to continue this slow motion journey, and we are going to learn about God's love. And one of the one of the things that you may find when you are starting this year, like I do, is that it's a little fast-paced. Now, I have a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, six-year-old kid. And my three-year-old and all the other kids have to get up at 6.30 a.m. in order to be at school. Does any other kids feel like they shouldn't have to get up as early as they should? Anybody? I'm just, we're taking a poll because we're going to change things. If you were, oh, there's a few kids that would agree. Does it feel strange? I mean, because God has wired your bodies to sleep in, to actually grow. I feel like you'd all be taller if you just slept a little longer and smarter and calmer and happier. But I'm not going not, not to go there. But all I'm saying is a three-year-old should not get up at 6.30 in the morning and the parents should sleep too. So what this means is we're, we're fast-paced. There's a lot of things happen. And what happens is the kids get sick because they're tired and then they get worn down. And then we all get sick because kids are nice and they give hugs and then, then everyone's sick. And then half of us die. This is just what, this is what I wanted to tell you today. I just, that's pretty much what happens. This, the mortality rate is terrible. <laughs> okay, we're speaking truth here today. We're, so so <laughs> what I want you to know is the fast-paced life can wear you out. It really can wear you out. And today we're going to look at a couple of people who are a little bit more dire circumstances than us with our waking up at 6.30 in the morning. But if you feel in your family, in your life, things are just going too fast and you, you just feel like it's a madhouse. 
If in your life, you feel like there's just too many goals to be reached at work. There's just too much, too much ambition in your life, too many practices to, to go to. Then this is, the, this is a scripture I think will speak to you. And it is the story of Moses. I'm dipping back into Moses again. He is an incredible figure in the Bible. And he has just crossed the Red Sea with three million Israelites. And they have had the Red Sea crash in on all of the Egyptian army, and they have been vanquished, and they won. And so now they're traveling through the desert. And uh, how many people have been on like a one-week backpack trip or a one-week camping trip, right? Does that feel like a long time? How many? Two, two weeks? And anyway, what's the longest? Who's had three weeks? Anyone? No one? Oh, a few. Wow. Glenda, of all people. And she did it last week after her hip surgery. Anyway, injuries. So, so these people have been two months in the wilderness, three millions of them, three million of, millions of them, and they're in the desert of, which is, doesn't sound like the best desert. It's called the desert of sin. I mean, <laughs> ew, that sounds terrible. So they're in this desert, and they're running out of food, and they're running out of water. And they're starting to wonder if this was such a good idea to follow Moses away from the slavery and terrible life they were living in Egypt and into this place where there was no certain food for them to eat. And their kids were starting to say, Mom, I'm hungry. Dad, I, don't, I really need more food. And they think, if it took two months to get to this place in the wilderness, what's going to happen? And so these are the words that they say to Moses. And I, a lot of people give them a hard time, but I just wanted you to kind of soak it in and realize these guys are actually acting quite reasonable. They say, oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by pots cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into the desert to starve this whole assembly to death. Now, the other day, I was, this pots cooking meat, people laugh at laugh at, they say, ha ha ha, who would want to sit by pots cooking meat? By the way, I went to a friend's house and he just got a smoker. That thing was amazing. I, I would be the same way. We were standing by smokers and passerobles eating all the meat we wanted. But now they're in the wilderness and there's no food. They're panicking and they're thinking, you know what, it would have been better if they had just died in Egypt right away, clean, quick death, than to have three million people starve to death in the, in the desert which actually sounds quite rational to me. And that's when God says this amazing verse that I believe is Oprah's favorite Bible verse. He says, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. That woman loves bread. We know she would be jumping up, and up for joy. Or if it was a 70s song, there'd be a song called, It's Going to Rain Bread, right? So the Lord says, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. I love how God meets them in their need. They're in their panic. They're wondering, is this even possible for us to continue to eat? And God says, you know what? I'm going to meet you in your moment of desperation. And I am going to provide the miracle that you need because you're going to go back to slavery in Egypt. See, a lot of us walk away from abusive relationships. And some of the kids are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do know that you have that friend. You know the friend that's like just not been really a good friend to you? It's, it happens even to young kids. And then you walk back into that relationship forgetting about how they hurt you because you're suddenly emotionally starved, whether it's an adult or a kid. And then suddenly you find yourself back in an abusive relationship all over again because you forget about the pain and you wonder whether there's going to be anything, any kind of future for you away from that relationship. That's where the Egyptians are. They're, they're saying, you know what? Let's go back to slavery. I think that's better than 
than, than what the uncertain future that God has prepared for us. In a lot of ways, we're the same way, aren't we? We get, we get into this place of uncertainty. We're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this following God thing is such a good thing. I, and, and a lot of times I think even in church, we kind of want the church or we want our, our experience of faith journey to be this certain journey forward. And we say, oh yeah, that's, that's the journey forward that I want. Uh, one that's real certain, certain victory. Actually, God calls us into these places of faith where you don't know. You're taking steps of faith forward and it feels uncertain. And so this is what God does. He meets them in their need. And and I love how the scripture says, he says, the Lord spoke to Moses. I've heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat. As Moses, I would be like, I'm not going to go out and tell them at twilight, they're going to eat meat. I don't see any meat. Where's this meat going to come from? But he does it. And then he's supposed to say, and in the morning, you will have your fill of bread. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. So what happens? It says, in the evening, a flock of quail flew down and covered the entire camp. This is like KFC falling out of the sky. Like people are like, pots of meat, pots of meat, pot, say it with me, pots of meat. No, you don't have to say that. But that's where they were. They're just like, I'm sure that's where that, that famous pots of meat song came from. The one that you all know so well. Um, and then it says, in the morning, after their bellies were full, they slept really good, fat with all of this quail meat. It says that there was a layer of dew all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the desert surface were thin flakes, as thin as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what in the world is that? That's actually what they said. <laughs> they didn't know what it was, as <laughs> the scripture says. Actually, that's what they called it. For, they eat this stuff for 40 years in the future, and you know what they call it? I don't know what that is, (laughs) but but I eat it and it's good bread. Moses said to them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Collect as much of it as you can eat, one omer per person. Now an omer was like, probably like half a gallon, right? So half a gallon of this bread. You may collect for the number of people in your household. So if there's 10 people in your household and you're out collecting that day, you're going to collect 10 more omers. And then it says, the Israelites did, as Moses said, some collecting more and some collecting less. But when they measured it out by the omer, the ones who had collected more had nothing left over. And the ones who had collected less had no shortage. Everyone collected just as much as they could eat. You see, people are out there in the wilderness. They suddenly see bread and we think, gosh, how come they couldn't obey God's command to only collect an omer, one half gallon per person? And we think, gosh, these people are so unreasonable. But wait a second. If your kid's starving to death and your family's starving to death, are you really going to be that, that inclined to only collect just enough for you to eat that morning? Or are you going to say, there's bread everywhere? I'm going to collect as much as I can. I'm going to stuff my belly. And I love that God, the Bible says that the people who collected more, they had less. And the people who collected less had more. Now, years ago, when I played bagpipes, it was fun. I don't play it that much anymore, but it's in my office. Um, for a cup of coffee, I'll play bagpipes for you. Um, good coffee, though. It has to be really good coffee. So, um, so years ago, when I played bagpipes, it was fun because you could walk into a room and everybody would just be like, the whole room, ding, 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 ding. Yay, right? And then one dude would go, 
play more. And I'd be like, well, they all want to hear more, apparently. So then I'd play another song, you know, like half the room, right? Kind of excited. Then another dude would be like, we really want more. And then I slowly noticed by like the 10th song, most people didn't want more. <laughs> they didn't. Most people were like, I think one bagpipe song is just enough because they all sound the same to most people. <laughs> that is where I learned the lesson. Always leave them wanting more. <laughs> I, I haven't really learned it, but I know it. Anyway, so <laughs> more is less and less is more. We have a society that says more is more. Actually, more can leave you rotten. More can leave you in a terrible state in your life. And less can actually be, be a good thing. When I went to Africa on a mission trip, I thought that the people who had almost no food to eat every single day, that they would be just so spiritually deprived and that I would be some kind of like buoyant light in their life. It turned, turned out that actually they were so spiritually alive. They had almost no food in their life, but they were so vibrant and overflowing. I felt like I was the one who was impoverished. Now this is... Um, this is how the scripture goes on. It says, Moses said to them, don't keep any of it until the morning. Do you think they're going to keep it till the morning? Yeah. He said, don't keep any of it till the morning, but they didn't listen to Moses. Some of them kept it until morning, but it became infested with worms and stank, which is disgusting. And then Moses got angry with them. And every morning they gathered it as much as a person could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Now, I had a friend who was a pastor and he was a great preacher. And I asked him one day, I said, how do you get like centered spiritually before you preach? And what is that prayer you pray? How do you prepare yourself? And he said, I pray, I pray this one prayer. Lord, give me what is needed. I said, okay, I'll try that. So the next time I prayed that prayer, right before I preached, I said, Lord, give me what is needed. And I realize that that prayer has so many different levels to it. I'm not asking for more. I'm not asking for less. I'm not asking for just what I need. It, need. I'm ask, not asking just for what people need. I'm not, it's just asking for what is needed. And a lot of times we feel like this, this daily bread lesson that Jesus gave us through the prayer that he taught his disciples. Do you guys know that prayer? It starts, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then it gets into that awkward moment where like half the people say trespass and half the people say debtors. So I always say trust debtors or debt passers just to make everyone feel welcome. I do. You'll see it. Or I'll just go. Because hmm. um, it doesn't really matter. But Jesus said that every day we should pray the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Every day you should pray this prayer. And it's a recognition that every breath you have, every morsel of food that you have, every relationship that you have, every piece of goodness that you have in this life is from God. And I have people come into the office and they're kind of, and it's always reasonable. There's no way to dismiss the, the panic on people's faces. They say, I, they come into my office and they're like, I am hanging out with 3 million people in the desert and we have no food. Okay, that's rational. Your panic makes sense. But let me rewind for just a second. Are you alive today? Yes. Okay. Has God provided you every meal that you've needed until this day to sustain you? Yes, there have been difficult times. Yes, there have been desert times. Yes, there have been tremendous challenges in your life. But are you alive today? Yes. So you're telling me that for 40 years or 10 years or 50 years or 90 years, you've had food, but your worry is about whether you're going to have enough food for tomorrow? 
Maybe we can just bank all of that faithfulness of God that God will provide for you in the future and that you will be abundant and that you can actually have life vibrantly in that future. And so what Jesus calls us to do is to live this life called daily bread life, where we're saying, God, I don't want bread for tomorrow. I'm not asking for bread for next week. I'm not asking for bread to be stored away in my, you know, in whatever those things are called that people put money in for their retirement. I don't really have one, but whatever that's called. Bank account? I don't know. So people are all so, you know, you talk to people that they're worried about whether they have enough money to retire, whether they're going to they're gonna be fed, whether they can have abundant life. What if we just transition to this daily bread life and trust that God will give us what, what is needed for the future? Now, what does this have to do with slowing down in life? Well, this is where the rubber meets the road. It says these words. On the sixth day, the people called, collected twice as much food as usual, two omers per person. Uh-oh. All the chiefs of the community, isn't that cool to see the structure of the community? It had chiefs. All the chiefs of the community came and told Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. But you can set aside and keep all the leftovers until the next morning. Cool, leftovers, potluck. And then it says, so they set the leftovers aside until the morning as Moses commanded. They didn't stink or become infested with worms. On this one day a week, the, the manna was fine. And it says, the next day Moses said, eat it today because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find it out in the field. Six days you will gather but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be nothing to gather. So do you think people went out in the field to gather stuff on the seventh day? Yes. So on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather bread, but they found nothing. The Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to obey my commandments and instructions? Look, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you enough food for two days. Each of you should stay where you are and not leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Israelite people called it manna, which again means, what in the world is that? It was coriander seed, white, and tasted like honey wafers. Oh, I like that bread. And when I was a kid, my favorite food was honey wafers. You know, just those little vanilla wafers, the crunchy ones? Oh, you imagine that's, that's just your bread every day. And then you get, the, you get smoked quail in the evening. This is a good reality. And the Bible says that God provided the same pattern of life for the people of Israel for their 40 years in the wilderness. Every morning they had this, except for Sunday, this amazing dew. I want to say Sunday, I should say Sabbath. It was technically Saturday. And then every evening they would have quail to eat. What an, what an amazing thing that happened in the life of these people. And what God was doing is God was making sure that they rested, making sure that they stayed still, making sure that they stayed at their homes and took a moment to enjoy the life that they had been given. Even though they wanted to be industrious, they wanted to go out and collect more, they wanted to continue to advance things. But I believe the, the path for us in this journey is for us all to become daily bread people. To become the kind of people that pray the prayer when you have a math test, it works. Trust me. Have a tough test in school? Just say this prayer. Lord, give me what is needed 
You, do, you should study, though, too. That helps. But when you have a big assignment or you have uh, a, a big goal that you're trying to reach at work or when you feel the pressure and stress of, of maybe an illness in the family or the loss of a loved one, or you're just waking up in the morning and you're, you're not sure if you have what it takes to just walk through the day and just to say the prayer, God, give us what is needed, not more and not less. So my kids, I, I'm not going to keep going on and on about them waking up at 6.30 in the morning, but I am for a second. Um, yesterday, they were so tired, and they had like a kids' party thing. In the, It's really not a kids' party. It's really an adult's party. We just let the kids go do whatever they want in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to a kids' party. It just means you just go crazy in the backyard for a couple hours. And they love it, but we could tell they were really tired. And um, then... We said to the kids, I heard Danny talking to them in the other room. She said, if you're going to go to this party, you're going to need to take a nap. And I heard silence. And then she said, she said these words to them. She said, it's not a consequence. This is so that you can have more fun at the party later. And they went to bed and they took a nap and they all fell sound asleep. And then later in the evening, they had a, a much better time. And I feel like we walk into Sabbath and we think, we think of it as a consequence, like, it's some kind of punishment from God that, that God is, like, imposing these rules on us so that we can not be happy, really happy. But, and, and by the way, the, the, the people that we're talking about here in the Bible, they ended up creating a law book of over 600 laws on how to observe the Sabbath. I, I bet it didn't really become that much fun after a while. It really wasn't the rest or, you know, calm presence that people were looking for. But we need to remember that God calls us into this thing called rest, and it's not a punishment. It's actually supposed to be an enjoyable thing. It's supposed to be a thing where we are able to receive and where we're going to actually end up having a more fulfilling life in the future. And so as we step into this, we're going to look next week at something called legalism. We're going to look at how Jesus addressed the Sabbath. We're going to talk about what that Sabbath means for us in our daily life. And we are going to, I believe, step into the fall in a better position than if we just had that kind of like, you know, the charge mentality that I feel is so like endemic to our society. We're going into the fall. Let's go get them. But actually, the best thing that we can do is to have that, that moment where we are really disciplined and say, what if we did something radical in our family? What if there was a day where we just ate leftovers? That sounds good, doesn't it, parents? You don't have to cook anything? What if there was a day where you just ate leftovers or you cooked whatever you wanted to eat the night before and you said that day is going to be a vacation day? Now, again, this can slip into legalism. This can slip into a kind of like, you know, if I don't have that full perfect day, then is, no, that's not what God calls us into. But what God wants us to experience is the fullness of rest and the fullness of this life. And so I hope that you join us in the next coming weeks. You bring your friends because I think that when Jesus starts to address the the actual legalism of Sabbath and helps us to draw into the spirit of Sabbath, then we are going to be really, really, really having fun with this series. So let us know this week if you say this prayer, God give us what is needed. And if you have like some experience of it, I'd love to hear how this goes in your coming week, okay? Will you guys stand as we pray?
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this rest that we have in you, for the joy that we have in you, for the peace that we have in you that comes because we obey your commands. Your commands to love our neighbors, ourself, your commands um, to live according to your will. And so God, we pray that we would live according to your command, your command that we would honor the Sabbath, that we would keep it holy, that we would observe the Sabbath. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.